0: Kick Welcome
1: door. to Radical Australian Beat Community Radio, 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. As I keep saying, if the local bikey needs a cup of sugar for his meth lab, <laughs> if the Asia knocks on your door, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can go to 3cr. .org, Hello, Empress Dale Dowger Bridge. How <laughs> are they?
0: I'm very, very well.
1: Have you had that experience a local biker you wanting you know, a cup of sugar for <laughs> his meth? No, I can't say I have. No, it's happened to me many oh, years ago. Yeah. Lucky you. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't. Didn't make meth in those days. It was speed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have a very wide range of acquaintance.
1: I'm glad you used the word acquaintance because I wouldn't call him a friend because he got <laughs> shot one day and uh, oh. it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It that's wasn't never good. fun. No, no, that's a different story. Now we do have a guest, and I'm really relieved. For the first time in about ten programs, I can actually pronounce the guest's name. <laughs> <laughs> good afternoon, Sandy Ryan. Did I get that right, Sandy? You got right. That right, that's usually that's it's the one. you know it's Joe Toscano or you know some ridiculous name which I have trouble pronouncing. But uh, this time it's good to me. You're not daughter of Ronald Ryan, are you by some chance? Uh,
0: no, no, uh, that's okay. I'm well aware of Ronald Ryan. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> right. okay. A little joke they had at school, did they? Uh,
0: not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Probably. The parents may have had the joke <laughs> Rather than the students We weren't quite aware of what had gone on You know, until we were a bit older yeah, But right. I'm sure there was a lot of the parents Attended uh, Pentridge yeah, yeah. Uh, In that period
1: yeah, Right, okay <laughs> It looks like it's going to be an interesting interview Now you know, we only asked two questions Sandy, you've got 55 minutes You know the drill Just to orientate our listeners What year were you born?
0: I was born in 1968 Oh, the yeah. year of revolution. That's it. 68. Yeah. The year
1: I lost my activist virginity <laughs> when I became an activist.
0: That's 68. I was, I was born an activist, I think, yeah.
1: Well, you had 17 years on me, didn't you?
0: That's it. And um
1: I assume you've got a first memory.
0: A first memory. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, Why? Well, yeah. The producer kind of told you.
0: Well... not in so many words, but Uh, I was trying to think where I first would recall myself. And I guess that would have been at kindergarten. Uh Uh, I was living in South Yarra at the time. My grandparents had come down from, one was from Sale and the other one was from Vanilla to make a life down in Melbourne town. Uh, they had a boarding house mm. in Cromwell Road, I South know, Yarra. Not 20. I'm not sure. It's, it's I, lived, I lived
1: at 20 Cromwell Road, South Yarra in 1977. That was a boarding house.
0: Right. Well, it may well have been. Mm. And it would have been a good one. Because it was that, a good one. Yes.
1: There was no smells. Uh,
0: but uh, my grandfather, he used to drive me to mm. Kinder mm. from that residence mm. And every morning I remember asking him What street are we in, mm. Pa? And he'd say, Wall Street wall It was street. never Wall Street no. uh, It was just a giant brick wall All right. along <laughs> right. the roadway it's Wall Street Yes yeah. And And uh, I was fairly into Tchaikovsky at the time. You were? Yeah, I think that I was. I think Can that had to do me, with... How old were you? I was about four. Four, okay. Yeah, right, so yeah. I think that might have had something to do with some of the more eccentric residents of the house. Right. That uh, may have it influenced me. could
1: have been, I'll tell you who they were, they would have been World War II refugees.
0: Well,
1: were they? There was. Croatian?
0: There was Italians. Yeah. George, he was very lovely. He yeah. always gave me continental, uh, you know, uh, confectionery. Mm. Uh, and he gave me many books. Right. And I think uh, my love of books came from, from George. George. Yeah. George. Yeah. There was a stripper that lived there as well. Mm. Did you uh, know what a stripper was? No, no. but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, she kept odd hours, so I assumed that she was doing something creative. Right. Uh, And uh, I quite liked her flamboyance. Mm. But, uh, yes, at kinder, I was at the renowned kindergarten in South Yarra. Which one? Renown Oh, Renown In Renown
1: Street, was
0: it? In Wall Street Wall well, Street Well, that's still. where I thought I was I going I
1: you were in Renown Street And,
0: yeah. uh, yes, it was uh, We were doing painting uh-huh. And uh, so we had a model Which was mm. another student in the class mm. Or in the kinder mm. And uh, the teacher said I want you to paint the person next to you So mm. I got the paint and painted the person next to me mm. And I was removed from the class
1: So you were literally, you took it literally
0: Literally painted, yeah, the, the other person. student And,
1: and then you—and and since then you've never understood why you were removed from the class
0: Well, I do now, but <laughs> I realised that there was something of a difference Yes, alright From an early back, age Let's get back to your
1: family arrangements Now you said the two grandparents came from Two different parts of it the, Were they separate or they came from the two different parts of your family?
0: Oh no, they were together But right. my uh, grandfather hailed from Sale Right And my grandmother was a banella. From Benella, right
1: Yes And uh, obviously neither of them alive?
0: No but my their, They lived to quite a uh, late age My grandmother was actually 102 102, yes When she passed away so mm. But she was a great person, yeah I And what were so. their names? Her name was Dorothy Yep and my grandfather was Alfred. Alfred.
1: Yeah, yeah. Alf. Alf. Yeah. There's Alfred and Elf. So obviously, Elf was a working-class lad. It yes, was he was Elf.
0: a working-class lad, but he was astute.
1: Right. Well, oh, street smart. Mm. Well, he'd have to be to run a boarding house mm. with the uh, collection of people there. So it's quite interesting because you actually grew up in a village. You had your own little village. They say it takes a char- it takes a village to... To raise a child.
0: Yeah, so maybe, yeah, I I think you're right there, yes. Mm. I I mean, I was, we didn't stay there for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, My parents uh, bought a house in North Springvale, so Mm -hmm. from South Yarra to North Springvale.
1: Uh, Are your parents still alive?
0: They are. Ah, well, we can't say
1: anything naughty then. That's okay.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, we, uh, yeah, so then I started... uh, Primary north Springvale. school. Well, it was actually on the border. It was like if you walked out the front door, you were yeah. in North Springvale. Yeah. And if you walked out the back door, you're in Mulgrave. So it was like, I think they call it the spaghetti junction down yeah, there. Yeah,
1: it's kind of a $20,000 difference in housing prices, basically, depending on what your postcode is. Yes. be so more like 100000 these days. Yes. So you're on the S- S- Springvale section. Yeah, I was Mulgrave. on the
0: north. Yes, yes. Yeah. I wasn't in the deep of Mulgrave, yeah. so I was. Mm. Uh, I, I wasn't learned in the ways of uh, the nicer parts of Mulgrave yeah, yeah.
1: Where would you have gone to primary school?
0: I went to St John Vianney's primary school So
1: at that period you'd have all the Vietnamese refugees coming No, in, that you? was a bit later, bit later on
0: yeah. uh, But we had, uh, I grew up in a very, very multicultural area We had mm-hmm. Polish people across the road, Yugoslavians, mm. Italians, Irish, Scottish no. A large cohort of those people mm. were Male European Catholic, school-educated, yes. So it was a Catholic school you went to? Yes.
1: Was... Did you learn anything
0: uh,
1: in primary school?
0: Yes, I was very fond of, I don't know, uh, probably the teachings of Jesus, I guess. I was mm-hmm. a bit of a right. Jesus freak, but also... Where we our house was backed onto the school and right, the church, right. so that was like my playground mm. as well. You'd open the back gate mm. of the of the uh, backyard, and you were in the school, so mm. you had those whole grounds. So I saw a lot of mm. goings on, so to speak. A lot of people like to uh, uh, use that as a recreational area, you know. Um.
1: All right, we won't go into that. Brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, I have one sister and two girl. brothers. I'm the eldest. So You're the eldest. Okay. Yes. So that's
1: four kids in a small house, I assume? Small
0: weatherboard house, yeah. Are you shared a room? I did with my sister. Mm. Mm. So
1: did you get anything out of primary school?
0: Um, I I think I did pretty well at primary school. Uh, mm. I wrote a book and that was... A, in primary school? Yeah, that was, a, that was a, often... Um, you know, um, taken out by other students to read, so I was pretty happy with that, and I did reasonably well Mm. at primary school, yeah.
1: Was it handwritten or was it typed out? Handwritten. Handwritten. And hand-drawn, yeah. Did you have a little cover on it? Yes. What was on the cover?
0: Uh, It was called... It was uh, Susie the Sponge. She was, uh, you know, uh, uh, an underwater creature. Right. Excuse
1: me, it's... uh, What's his name? Sponge?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's right. Have they
1: stolen your idea? They
0: have, yes.
1: I can't believe this. We have the creator of... (laughs) Was it Sponge, Square Bum, whatever?
0: Yeah, SpongeBob SquarePants.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah, but... um, So why a sponge? uh, Because my grandmother went... uh, Not the grandmother uh, that had the... Boarding boarding house My Mm. other grandmother She was Scottish She went back Mm. Although Irish Scottish But she was Scottish Mm. Born in Dundee uh, And they went back to uh, overseas And she brought me back a few things And one of them was a sea sponge That sounds
1: like a reasonably idyllic childhood
0: Yeah Yeah it was was good It was good
1: So when you said you're kind of Jesus orientated Did you read the Bible? No, uh, that means I wasn't good, into any of that uh, That means you're a good Catholic, no Catholic No, no, reads the no, Bible. you don't read no, it, no, no, you, you I wasn't interested in that No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm a bit worried there, I thought you were no. one of those renegades You read, read the Bible no. as a young Catholic No It's always a worry <laughs> So where did you go to high school?
0: I went to Wellington High School, which a lot of people thought was in New Zealand But it was just <laughs> actually a crappy, pretty, it was a very crappy school up uh, Further up into Mulgrave. Yeah. yeah proper. Well, yeah. Going towards BFL Park.
1: Was it a public or a public c- high p- school, school, yes. And what was life like there in the was it the eighties, was it? Late seventies, early eighties? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Probably about seventy eight, eighty. Yeah. Uh, what was
1: What was life like as a young woman in during that period in a public high school? Which I wasn't
0: I, it was boring. I really didn't uh, I want. Uh, well, I was. It, I thought I would go to an all-girls school, but mm. I refused. I wasn't really interested. I wanted to mm. be with mm. girls and boys. I thought that was the most important thing. Right. So I achieved that. But the actual uh, school itself, they weren't really interested in um, Teaching, educating.
1: No, you were basically factory fodder That's correct. That period, yeah. Well, most
0: work? most of the. Boys, they were boilermakers yeah. or mm. Bitters and turners, or they were mm. in Tirana
1: well that 's right because it yeah. was a manufacturing industry at that particular point in time if you didn 't fit in, you ended up at Tirana, but uh, yeah. or nothing Red nothing nothing, yeah, nothing was expected of you, and it's, it was all around Australia, the same thing you know nothing was expected of. Public students at that yeah. period Which was quite shocking It wasn't yeah. until, as you know, the Whitlam Labor Government opened the universities That things began to change Yeah,
0: well I was probably mm. going to be destined to be a Checkout chick or something mm. Maybe teen Teen mother, something like
1: yeah, that Yeah, yeah, yeah so, so did you finish high school?
0: Uh, well, I actually Went Up to year 10 At that school mm. And I wasn't coping Um probably more uh, inclined to the delinquent side because right. this, the uh, the actual format of the the education was extremely tedious mm. um, and it wasn 't conducive to any creative output, mm. Mm. Uh, so I was feeling quite condemned. Um, Came across some learning difficulties as a result of, I don't know, various, uh, yeah, situations yeah. and went, uh, into an, uh, experimental school for ah, two years, I three years. Troublemakers. That's right. So, yeah, and yeah. it was mixed actually. It yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. it was an experimental school yeah, that, uh, yeah was merging sort of delinquent students with, uh, yeah. uh, oh, I mean, in year 10, I transferred over. I was interested in the arts. They had a drama mm. section. They had mm. a television studio. Mm. They had a photography yeah. uh, lab. Uh, also, the integration of, Disabled students. So I went to school with people that were blind, mm. cerebral palsy, that mm. uh, ran the gamut of uh, disability. So it was sort of conducive yeah, to so a delinquent um, yeah, there aspect. There were a lot, a
1: lot of, not a lot, but there are a number of very good experimental skills of that phase because the de schooling, um, uh, the the schooling schooling ideology was big in that time and uh, councils and governments were willing to put a little bit of money into these schools to get rid of the delinquents and put them in, you know, away so they wouldn't, uh, you know, contaminate the rest of society. And when I spoke about factory fodder, it's not that I think that uh, that type of work is factory fodder work, but the thing is that was that a mentality that how... Aussie kids were basically, who went to a public high school, were treated. Even Roman Catholic schools, they weren't expected to go anywhere. It was only the private, you know, public schools that uh, were expected to go to university. Yeah. So, um, what did you get out of that? Three years.
0: Well, I failed the whole three years. How
1: can you fail an experimental school? Well. <laughs> you didn't turn up, did you?
0: Well, there was a little bit of that, but also... Um, probably uh I lack the ability to uh finish uh finish work would mm. probably be something there and uh we weren't exactly a high finance family no, so there kids, was yeah. uh a lot of poverty mm-hmm. in our childhood uh that um What
1: do you mean by poverty give some examples
0: Well uh just not having enough money to Really, keep up with the pack, I guess. Yeah. How yeah. about
1: food wise?
0: Food wise,
1: uh, you're always hungry, or
0: I was often hungry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so and,
1: and you couldn't actually afford the because in an experimental school there wouldn't be a uniform, so you'd yeah, have everybody would try to outdress everybody else.
0: Yes, and also you had um, dropouts from. Um, Private schools or Mm. well-to-dos That um, were funneled in there Yeah, yeah, and they they were more successful Because economically They could afford art supplies Mm. Or more more photographic supplies Or they were Mm. more geared up Their families were more Mm. Allopathic, so to speak Mm. Yeah, Yeah, so
1: You may be interested in this new research About neuroplasticity You know what
0: neuroplasticity is? Well, it's the uh, sort of the rubber in the brain. Is That's it? right.
1: It's basically, it basically. I mean, in the old days, we used to think the brain—you're born with a fixed number of brain cells. The brain was there, and that was it. But in the last uh, ten years or so, the development of a PET scan, which actually looks at the actual how the brain functions, we've now realised that was wrong, and that the brain actually adapts to different situation. And there was a research project which. Uh, was published in the last week, which showed that actual poverty causes changes in the brain. End of story. And that actually children in that situation are behind the eight ball before they even start. Mm. Not just in terms of the physical, but the actual neurological um, issues. But going back, so what does a 17-year-old do in the mid-80s when she leaves school?
0: Well, she... Goes out to see bands I guess That's mm. what we did mostly yeah, well, That was the heyday and, of the big and bands there wasn't was, there? It, was, it was thriving That mm. saved my life Music saved my life uh, What do you mean you were suicidal or? Well I just think I was looking for an angle uh, I, I didn't have the confidence At school to keep up with mm. uh, My peers mm. So I felt like I was failing mm. But uh, Pulled up by the fact that you had these renegades running around town, be it the Village Green on a Friday night or the uh, uh, Seaview the, Ballroom in, Waveling, in St Kilda. Yep. We'd go in there underage yeah. often. and yeah, yeah. Uh, you could uh, It gave me a bit of a glimpse into, well, perhaps there's other people that have had similar circumstances that have been able to, mm. well, crash through somewhat. Yeah, so that gave me some confidence, but still I was very... Mm. Not so confident, really Were you actually uh,
1: involved in the paid workforce? Were you on basically on social security benefits at that stage when you left school?
0: Uh, I was on social security, but I was also involved in uh, community ventures Like what? Uh, like cooperative groups that maybe mm. published, uh, like little self-publishers I tried to get into screen printing, which mm. I never did mm. um,
1: so you're part of that zine revolution at that stage? Not no, really. No. Probably
0: more the music. The music. The music yeah, yeah, yeah. I was probably more a punter, I guess. Like you more know More a punter I mean? than and, an and actor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fashion, that sort of thing. Fashion I, you know, and the punk movement actually really affected me because yeah. that was a self-start thing. Do it nah. yourself. Yeah. You have the power. You have control. Band, you know, uh, uh, that really opened my mind. Mm. Yeah,
1: I might get Dale to ask you a few questions, as she would have been from the same period <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh, well, uh, I wasn't lucky enough to be in Melbourne, but um, yeah, we, we actually spoke to Dolores San Miguel, who uh, started the ballroom uh, in St Kilda So did you, were you around um, St Kilda at that stage, or...? i was i wasn 't part of I think it was the uh, blank generation or something like that I, they were my peers, so I was looking up to them and I feel like uh, the Gothic scene came in too, so that was all very spectacular. There mm. was a lot of showy stuff mm. uh, but I was lucky enough to see a lot of bands from scratch, like, you know. Oh, well, anyone from, you know, say, Crown of Thorns, Hunters and Collectors, mm. Nick Cave. Uh, I saw the Violent Femmes come out here on their first tour. Wow. They were still buskers. Yeah, wow. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Um, what a time. Yeah, it was an amazing time. And just, um, yeah, the uh, I actually moved... Away, I wasn't living still in Mulgrave because actually, well, we were evicted from our house and then we had to move off to another area, but the music still stayed with me. I just kept following the music and ended up, uh, in St Kilda and there was a pretty thriving Mm. sort of do-it-yourself, uh, community, cooperative, punk arts crossover music scene so i could snugly fit myself in there i wasn't you know on top of anything but i wasn't below anything but Mm. that just kept me motivated i think yeah anything uh that had a bit of an edge i was always looking for the edge i Mm. think yeah Mm.
1: Were were you squatting or renting at that stage
0: well we were just jumping onto people's you know, I was living in a flat, mm. um, but sometimes the rent wasn't paid, so you'd have to move on. But there was always somewhere to move on. I mean, there was people mm. that were living in um, like a group of... There was squatters and that. Mm. There was a big squat actually in Malvern, mm. in Howson Street, yep. which apparently was an immigrant street that my grandmother from Scotland actually lived in when she first moved here, mm. and a whole group of punks basically took over that whole street and were managed to live there for over a year and that is now Malvern Central. Mm. So, so It just reminds me of Dogs in Space Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like that Except I did meet Michael Hutchins once We didn't really like Dogs in Space Because it was all imports from Sydney We thought, yeah. what are they doing coming down here <laughs> Pretending they? they're us yeah. And who, you, you know, this Michael Hutchins guy Well he's not a, you know But actually I met him one day Just in the street And he mm-hmm. was actually a pretty nice guy mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm.
1: So how long did this phase of your life last for?
0: Oh, uh, well that lasted a long time and still going on to this day. um, What do
1: you mean it lasted a long
0: time? Well, uh, I I end up getting into the, uh, because I'd been trained in technical aspects of film and television, photography, video and all that. I sort of had this aspiration that I wanted to be a roadie. Mm-hmm. You know, I was quite interested in doing lights or yeah. audio, but yeah. it was very difficult to get for anyone old. to yeah, I was thrown out of trucks and all sorts of things, <laughs> yes. but ended up um uh partnering with a roadie actually. Right. Uh who ended up becoming a uh uh production manager, mm-hmm. but we were like uh uh There was, you know, it was still in the scene, but I I, I just ended up, I I actually had a a child to that, to that person. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just the music, and my son is also involved in the music industry, so Mm. I've just, yeah, kept up with that in various ways. Mm. Yeah.
1: Well, you don't look like a raider. You're about, what, 50 kilos and about yep. five foot one. Yeah. And you're a woman. And in those days, it would, be, it would have been tough.
0: It was tough. Well, yes, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm a cameraman, so you can right. imagine also the hard right. harshness of that. Mm. Uh, even to this day, they still say cameraman. Mm. I just, because of the self-starter thing with the punk movement, that's what kept me motivated to... Just do it. Just mm. teach yourself. I, you know, I didn't have the best sort of... I did have a good start in South Yarra, but everything did fall apart. Mm. Uh, but what kept me going was I just decided, you know what, these schools, they're not going to educate me. I'm not going to get anywhere. I chose to educate myself. Mm. I was always interested in academics and, you know, intellectual pursuits, you know, arts and music. Mm. So I just just sort of self-taught as well, yeah.
1: You spoke about having a son, how old
0: were you? I was 21.
1: 21. Yeah. How difficult was it bringing up a young lad in those days? Were you a single parent?
0: Yes, I was. Uh, It was very difficult, but the housing situation was easier. Uh, you Even though they could advertise in, like, The Age or anywhere that had classified uh, uh, advertising, it could say, no, ch- no children, no pets. Right. So you did get a bit of discrimination, but there was always these... You always got the bad house in the best street. Right. And yeah. you could move... And I, and I, I, I lucked out mm-hmm. in, in those areas for a long time. A like what areas? Oh, well, the South St Kilda, Mm. East St Kilda, oh, well, Paran. North Corfield, So you kept Elston basically Yeah, all in, in that a, area within 10 Yeah, 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 just stayed in Because there was,
1: look, I, I was around in those days too And there was kind of, there was a scene Yes There was a real scene There you, was and, a real and, and, scene and, uh, it wasn't, uh, at that stage, it hadn't been totally obliterated by heroin or other No, drugs.
0: no, well I wasn't involved in that But there was a lot of arts Like the St Kilda Festival was still a pretty much grassroots mm. thing Mm. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, grassroots bands, mm. people that just wouldn't, mm. uh, sort of, they wouldn't be told, yep. but they weren't, uh, they weren't a criminal or anything like that. They just mm. were self-starters. So there was a lot of those people could need, you know, fit into that, mm. to, uh, the economics of the area, and actually that's where the community spirit came from. Oh. Yes.
1: It's uh, 4.31. This is uh, Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is a podcast. My name's Joseph Toscano. Dale Bridge is doing all the heavy lifting. I'm the show pony. She's the Clydesdale. And we're <laughs> interviewing Sandy Ryan, whose name I can actually pronounce for once. <laughs> I'm so pleased, Sandy. Now, Sandy... During this period, let's say in the 80s and 90s, did you keep on the right side of the law?
0: Yes, I've <laughs> always, I've never been, uh, well, I mean, I've had, uh, apart from the activism, which I thought was just like common sense. Uh, I like that. I was in trouble on a couple of occasions, uh, but not, not uh, I wasn't looking to... Uh, a uh, criminal lifestyle or anything like that But some things that you had to push back on Maybe caused you to uh, You know Caused attention to yourself So yeah, there was a Not few like what? little things you,
1: know, you, just, you can tell us one or two Just anonymously, like, you know You don't have to tell us everything
0: Oh, well uh They there was a time when they wanted to when the gentrification of St Kilda started coming through mm. and they were closing all the venues down there used to be like the Thursday night crawl so you'd go from uh the Savoy Ballroom and then there'd be a crawl of people like and it helped trade and all the shops had people coming and going the mm. money was rolling mm. you'd get to the Prince of Wales and then that you know then you'd go home from there sort of thing mm. so uh um, uh, I've gone blank, sorry. No, I was just wondering,
1: you said you're the Prince of Wales. You said I was just...
0: Oh, yes. No, I was just was, fishing about your criminal Well, bias. people could see that there was, you know... Like, actually, it was all pretty self-contained. I mean, right. you had places over on this side of... I mean, there was mm. a bit of a north-south rivalry, what yep, side of yep, the area yep, you're on and that. Yep, and we yep. would venture over here to, say, go to the punters' club or yep, something yep, like yep. that. That was acceptable, but there was no. definitely a rivalry there. So, so what happened?
1: What happened? You said that you got
0: involved oh, well, in something. Oh, well, that was uh, when they started to realise... The, well, they they started to want to apparently clean up the that that side of town and mm-hmm. so gentrification became something that they were pursuing there was a lot of rooming houses in those areas actually it was a ball of rooming houses over there and those were slowly getting uh you know uh Je- they, were, they were being bought out, those and residents, were we were, were losing out. these yeah. residents. I mean, you're talking really nice places like the Regal, mm. the Savoy, the Ritz. Actually, uh, a, a cro- there was a crossover because you had your community activism, your music, your arts, the poverty, uh, the um, just... Uh, the way would, I guess. Mm. But everything was, uh, yeah, the, the conditions weren't good. Like, they were really run down places back in those days, you know. Uh, so, um, we, uh, just, um,
1: Pushed back, I assume. Yeah,
0: and saw that the community was getting destroyed and people were actually mm. becoming more and more marginalised. It was getting harder and harder to stay in those areas. But at the same time, they, uh, you felt like uh, the opportunities in those communities were being uh, brought about by the people that were living in the communities, yet they wanted those people removed from those communities. So there was mm-hmm. people with money coming in. They wanted to change it up, mm-hmm. um, and that affected the arts and the music and so there was a bit of a fight back. Yeah. Right. So,
1: How did the, was it a political fight back or a physical fight
0: back? Or well, it was a bit of both, I guess. Mm. Yeah. But um, in the air, we'll say there was one particular particular time when enough was enough. The Stevie Boreham had been closed down, and then on the cards, the Prince of Wales. Okay. Um, what they were going to do is put cover bands in there, oh, right. and for cover people, you know, and, and we couldn't right. believe it. The, uh, uh, the 80s was full of cover bands; mm. yeah. it was scary.
1: Could you could you explain to our listeners what a cover band is? Because some people wouldn't know. Okay,
0: a cover band is just like a band that um, covers another act's mm. material. Like, so mm. what would you have? Like a uh, they're like impersonators, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah so they've got, they haven't
1: got any original ideas.
0: That's right. But they can somehow draw crowds, and lots of people well, drink nostalgia. lots of alcohol. Yeah, so, and, yeah. And it's cheaper. There's yeah, it's very mainstream, thing. isn't it? That's very, right. Yeah, yeah. very mainstream music that they cover, stuff that you'd hear on on commercial networks. Well, That's well, right.
1: Well, I was driving past the Veneto Club yesterday in Boleyn, and you'd be surprised to see, even the Veneto Club is having an ABBA cover band <laughs> right right so it is mainstream
0: but that was sort of like that was that was like a real insult to all the musicians yeah, and so artists so what, so of the area what,
1: what did musicians do
0: well they um they did go ahead through with it and mm. the Prince of Wales uh, turned instantly into a mm. cover band mm. venue mm. but the last night It was Ian Ryland, I think, X, played the last gig at the upstairs of the Prince of Wales. And there was some fracas out the front. (laughs) I was actually working on a local economic development strategy uh, to sort of save things like 3PBS, save the arts, save the music. And um, one thing led to another, and I was... Interviewing a few people out the side of the Prince of Wales, it was a full house. We couldn't get in. Next thing, I was uh, physically moved off the street and put into a riot truck. Oh, nice. Mm. Uh-huh. So that yeah. pleasant. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't know what was happening. I would no. never really had anything like that happen to me, and I had flashes of that. Uh, what was it? The Star Hotel, you <laughs> know, incident. And uh, they uh, and I'm sort of fighting back and. Yelling out, leave me alone And Mm. so that's resisting arrest Trying to get out of the truck (laughs) So that's, you know, all these things And then the next thing, another girl gets thrown into the back with me as well And she was actually an artist
1: So they weren't rioting outside because you'd been arrested
0: No, (laughs) everyone was so upset at what was happening And they were just basically got to the point where they were pulling people off the street Because they wanted to change... The whole situation down yes, there yes. So here I am thinking oh my god And uh, yeah so that was a very distressing time well, actually you'll be, you'll,
1: be pleased to know, you'll be pleased to know Sandy I was talking to Wendy this morning at the uh, public housing Oh in yes. Wendy Wanderlust yes. yes Wendy Wanderlust And uh, she was telling me about the friends of St Kilda Right Who are up to the same tricks Trying to get public housing estates in St. Kilda closed down. Right.
0: Well, there's because not that there's many <laughs> of them. No,
1: no, but it's just interesting, isn't it, that it hasn't really changed, has it?
0: No, well, you always, there's something about the area. I don't know what it is, but, right. uh, yeah. you know, but I mean, you had the things like the Esplanade Hotel. These things were run on the smell of an oily rag, you mm. know what I mean? Mm. And that's what people go to these areas for. It's yeah. a bit like Haight Ashbury or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you know? Mm. It's got those connotations. But those things no longer exist and Mm. we really got marginalised and it was very distressing because we were active in the community Mm. for the benefit of the community. Mm
1: -hmm. So were you pushed out of St Kilda? Yes. Where would you end up?
0: Well, I ended up sort of moving a bit further uh, out of the area into more of the Caulfield Precinct. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the death knell for the music down in St Kilda was probably the demolition of the Greyhound Hotel. Mm. Uh-huh. And that was it. That was it. <sighs> that was the last bastion of St Kilda, wasn't it? That's correct. And we had some really great characters yeah. down there, you know. Fred Negro. Yeah, Steve Prichter, rest in Steve peace. Steve yeah. You know? Yeah. People that really were can really did things on the margins without any money. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, but, 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 but Community-minded people. Aren't
1: you, aren't you excited that the Esplanade's been renovated? No, <laughs> well, that's
0: enough of that. Uh, well, well, when I saw you know a tree growing out of the bay window, <laughs> I was a bit concerned. And God bless Alfred Pelton, if anyone knows about Alfred Pelton, and at least they're doing a tour about uh, Alfred what the, what tour are they doing oh they 're just saying about how he used to live there and yeah. okay. all that sort of thing and that he was West a gentleman yes
1: he was a gentleman 's gentleman, very rich man wasn 't he? He was and a he
0: very rich man, he was a bachelor actually when his yeah. funeral his funeral, they picked him up from the esplanade and you know what I mean like it was a yeah. big deal, but he, he still, we 're still living off his philanthropic trusts and he was also great friends with the Grimwades, who we are still living off their philanthropic trusts. And if you go to the St Kilda Cemetery Mm. on the Elmer Road entrance side, side by side, the graves of Felton and Grimwade together. And then you got people like Thomas Bent and that that's right oh, over the other yeah, side.
1: Yeah. Bent by name and Bent by nature, that's the correct. Premier of Victoria. That's right. correct.
0: Yeah. Now going back, is this the same
1: Felton that gave the Felton bequest to the Victoria National Gallery?
0: That's the one, and mm-hmm. I mean he had art sprawling out of his uh, his was, room at the Esplanade Hotel. He, he,
1: was, he was a pharmacist, was he? Or?
0: He was an industrial... He did glass ICI. ICI. Yes, and, and ICI. actually there's a plaque on the Esplanade Hotel, I think, that... Uh, I think that I i paid for. You know, it's just a tiny little thing. But yeah, uh, yeah. really these people, you know, to this day are still significant uh, in the cultural aspect of Melbourne. Because they're still contributing. Melbourne. Yes.
1: Now going back to your life, um, when did things take a, a turn for the worse?
0: Things took a turn for the worst. I moved up to... Well, one thing led to another. I mean, as I said, we were living on the margins anyway in mm. these um, areas like a lot of people are mm. and uh, taking second best and don't complain because the landlord will kick you out and la, la, la. Mm. Uh, rents have gone up uh, uh, and uh, moved up to the peninsula, Mornington Peninsula. How long ago was that? Uh, that was uh, 10 years ago. Right. And unfortunately lost our house and all our assets to the banks oh. And I was made immediately homeless
1: well, You know, it's interesting that uh, People who are claiming against the banks It only can go back ten years Right No longer No further, which is interesting They actually made that cut-off point uh, but, So, you basically found yourself on the street
0: Yes, instantly
1: Was your son still with you at that stage? No right. Well, he's an adult Yeah, so. but I'm just... Yep. yeah
0: no no, but he, I mean it did affect the whole family Yeah. Uh, I sort of was trying to you know I, it was like uh well happy Gilmore trying mm. to save the house ended up anger management, if you know what I mean like right, you know right. uh it was
1: your problem, not there well,
0: I got scapegoated and uh just mm. so that uh you know uh monies could be paid back mm. that were uh mm. given rather frivolously mm-hmm. and i'm sure there's other families in this situation mm-hmm. and i just thought i'd be able to um i just followed all the protocol all the mm-hmm. uh information to uh
1: so you thought there was a legal remedy
0: yeah uh but that uh, no i've just been stuck on the victorian housing registry for three years now let's go back 10 years right, right so you
1: found yourself homeless
0: yes but this was i was homeless only in the la- it, since August 2017. Now, let's, let's go.
1: Let's go back. Let's okay. go back. Okay. So what happened between ten years ago and August
0: 2017? Okay. Well, are uh, we in
1: the paid workforce? We rely on uh, New Start or? Well, we...
0: because I had to leave, I was actually working in audiovisual. Mm. Um, so I was doing camera operating, follow spot operating.
1: So you're looking after yourself. You're paying your Yeah. Yeah. Bills. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, since uh, losing housing, I haven't really been able to. And you know, go, going back to that period because yeah. that's a seven-year period. Okay.
1: So so during those seven years, you're yeah. basically making do, were you? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're paying your rent and. Yes. Yes. And and things were reasonable. Yeah, or reasonable. You're getting enough work.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: All right. So so what tipped you in August two
0: thousand seventeen? Well. Pressure was put on my mother to pay back, well, say things like the bank gave, when my mother was 60 years old, gave her $350,000 loan to pay over 30 years Mm. against the house. Mm. So one thing leads to another, lose the house. house. I'm fighting to save the house. She's obviously got pressure on her to pay the bank, Mm. so I was... Used, I think, really as a catalyst to, you know A mm, uh, scapegoat Yeah, basically So mm. um, through these family orders that they have Through the magistrate's court I found mm. myself in this uh, mm. rather weird situation
1: So what was it like the first month in August 2017?
0: Well, I had heard that the uh, Salvation Army Had opened a uh, homeless shelter in the city mm So, when I was put on the street without warning, Mm. with just uh, basically just uh, hardly any, you know, I didn't have enough stuff. They said, if you don't leave the house now, Mm. you know, you'll be arrested. Mm. And there was, uh, they were short-staffed. No one spoke to me. I went to get help, uh, presented at uh, where I was supposed to present, uh, ID. I said, well, I didn't quite collect everything. They Mm. said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Mm. I thought all there was, I'd heard of homeless people sleeping at the beach, so I had to look around. I couldn't see anyone. I was absolutely terrified. Mm. It was raining, so I just jumped on a bus and came to town. Mm -hmm. And that's where it really opened my eyes about uh, the homeless situation. But I was aware of the homeless situation Prior to me being homeless, and I was actually quite concerned, and then all of a sudden I became
1: you, you never part of the cohort. You never expected in your wildest dreams to be homeless?
0: Well, I expected that perhaps, uh, well, I always knew pay your rent on time, you know, mm. I always knew all those things because I'd always lived on the margins, but I'd never expected to be fully homeless like this. So here
1: you are, 49. Yeah. 49. No yeah. savings. No. Working part time. Yeah. Um, and you find yourself on the streets So I assume everybody came 49 year old woman homeless on the streets Everybody rushed over to help you Did they? Government agencies And uh, excuse me Dale I can hear you laughing there But obviously the, as you're a 49 year old woman They'd all rush over to assist you Is this correct?
0: Uh, incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Another homeless woman rushed over yeah. and helped me. Right. And said, whatever you do, don't go to the shelter. Right. And I went, right, okay. Uh, and right. then I was realised, w- she told me where it was. Yeah. And that, that particular woman mm. actually is, you know, still in a very difficult situation. Mm. And she is a real survivor. Um, but I got up to the, uh, homeless shelter and was greeted by some guys that were a little bit, you know, out of it mm-hmm. and, uh, but well dressed until he vomited on his new runners. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh great, this is not looking good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it opened at 11 PM. I mm-hmm. thought, that's odd. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're serving coffee. Oh, the TV's on all night. Oh, you sleep on the floor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just, Growing in numbers by yeah, let's the go, let's day go back, Let's go
1: back to sure. 2017 Because yep. it's your personal experience okay. That actually educates people About what it's like Now I'm told, I pay taxes right? I've worked for 43 years And I'm still working part time And I pay taxes I am told there are community agencies Government agencies That are there to assist homeless people What was your experience?
0: Well that money isn't filtering down into so the areas where it's needed. I don't know what's going wrong. There's something so, going
1: wrong. All right, let, let's look at the situation now. You're still homeless, are huh? you? Three I years am, later. That's correct. Have they put your name on a waiting list somewhere?
0: Yeah, I've been on a waiting list since mm-hmm. the uh, twenty. Ooh, the twenty second of the mm. of August, twenty seventeen. Have you had
1: any correspondence or any phone calls or anything during that period regarding your time on the waiting list?
0: I ring them up, but they oh, are you ring out. them up? They yeah. don't ring you up. No.
1: Now I understand you were telling me earlier on the day that uh, you ring them up, but something happened.
0: Oh well, the latest one is that the <laughs> phone just rings out. There is no sort of uh, automated uh, menu. Uh, it just rang out this morning. I rang to see how my uh claim was going, uh, and uh it just rang out. So there's no one answering at all now. And no currently. answering machine? No, no. Can't answering leave a machine. phone number to no, be
1: contacted? No, no. All right. So how are you surviving?
0: Well, you... S- well, at the moment, moment, I'm moving around. Um, no, I, s-
1: I mean, are you on start or? No Start, yes, no, I'm no, on it's that. No, no Start. That's well, correct. And no you're start. often
0: suspended or you're mm-hmm. cancelled because, well, you know, you can't get to appointments or things like that. You might be here, there, or er- anywhere. Mm-hmm. Have
1: you been suspended? Many times. And what does that mean?
0: That means that you have to go through a whole rigmarole again to get back reconnected.
1: And how long? And that means getting a bit of money to survive. How long does that take to be reconnected?
0: Well, you can be. It's it's the rigmarole of being reconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, some people just can't make appointments. I think they just fall by the wayside. No, but frankly. does it take a week to get? Oh you, yeah, it? well, it can can two take, weeks, yeah, three and weeks, and you can be penalised. And also they say. You are not in an extreme circumstance. Although you're homeless. That's
1: correct. Yeah, it's like a quadriplegic patient of mine who was denied a disability support pension, because although he's a quadriplegic for 25 years. Yes. Because he could be rehabilitated. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, Let's go back to these agencies, because we're told every day, every day I see some smarmy little scumbag dressed in a suit or a collar telling me on television... Or the net, or radio, YouTube, that we are doing everything possible for the homeless. And they're getting paid fat money to tell me this. So, what's happening on the street?
0: Well, on the street, they're dropping the ball. I mean, they're, they're, it's the poorest of the poor. There's people absolutely destitute. And, I mean, the shelter can only do so much. Mm. Uh, I mean, at least that's providing a minimal service, but I feel that the staff, they're just, it's, it's exacerbating. Uh, there's just really no progress. In fact, it's getting worse. Mm. I think the whole problem goes back to the lack of public housing. This Victorian Housing Register is not working. There are people that are, well, in the economic climate, uh, uh, trying to take, they're, they're taking advantage of the most vulnerable people in well, society. They're making, they're making
1: a lot of money. That's correct. There are organisations that are multi-billion-dollar organisations which are making a lot of money out of homelessness. As you say, it's not trickling down. Look, we do the uh, we do the ten days in November. We do every Wednesday morning, and. I can assure you in Bourke Street and other streets around Melbourne, it is full of people sleeping on the streets, 50 metres from the Victorian Parliament House. Now, you were in the, spent a night in the hostel about a week ago, didn't you? Uh, I,
0: I'm, I'm in and out at the moment, yes. So but but I, what's, what's,
1: what's it like? Just ex- People think, oh, these poor homeless people, they go into the hostel, they're looked after, they get a hot meal, a bed, a pillow. What happens?
0: Well, you're not treated with disrespect, but there are people that are just suffering. Um, How do you mean
1: by suffering? What's suffering? Well, they just don't
0: have the uh, ability to um, maintain any humanity. Uh, What happens, a lot of these people through no fault of their own mostly, and I must say that most homeless are not criminal. Mm. They're people that are trying to avoid... Criminal behaviour. And so they're actually putting themselves way out there on the line Mm. to do the right thing, to wait in line, and they're waiting in line for nothing. Uh, you might as well, you know, become a criminal because Mm. at least you have something. Mm. So really, uh, I think a bit of respect for these people wouldn't go astray. They're sleeping on some people, I mean, I will. I presented the other day, and I'm I'm like a veteran, you know. Mm. I've got a I've got a mattress with a pump mm. and a, a sleeping bag. I had a gentleman next to me because basically what happens is you walk in there and you dos you dos on the floor. Mm. It's a concrete floor. Uh, there's people coming and going. Uh, some people have just got cardboard. Mm. They don't have any bedding at all. I felt so.
1: So, In, the, so nothing. No bedding is provided. For no bedding is provided. And what happens no. to people's stuff? Because if you're homeless, you have got stuff you're carrying.
0: With well, them. that's right. Well, they have to carry their stuff with them.
1: So there's no lockers.
0: Well, there is a couple of lockers now at mm. the uh, at uh, Burke Street, mm. but I would say that. Uh, Hmm. there's more demand than... And I
1: assume assume you've got wonderful showers and toilet
0: things. Well, the showers are out of order. How
1: many showers are there?
0: There's four, I think, but there's something wrong with the drainage of the showers because they've just put those in. And how many people
1: would be in the hostel every night?
0: I reckon, reckon, well, the the numbers are increasing. I Hmm. think, you know, you can see up to 250 people. That's just
1: in one big room, is it?
0: Oh, there's two rooms. Yep. But I'd say, yeah, and people are getting in there earlier just to get a spot. Because like,
1: this, if you look down the alleyways, they're full of people. Yeah,
0: because you can't there. get a spot. It's very yeah. hard to, and you don't right. know. You, you're sleeping head to head with complete strangers, mm. no, so you don't know, and no. there's no separation.
1: And, and I assume there's wonderful people coming in the morning and taking down your name and offering your accommodation or putting you on. Look- no,
0: it's 6 a.m. They wake you up and off you go. That's it. And they reopen for some breakfast. I think later in the day you just make but your own way. So you may go to a park. So you'll sit in a park, uh, but then the rangers will spot you. So the rangers?
1: Yeah. Well, well I, I thought there were dog rangers. We've got human rangers now. As well. well, that's dog right. Ranges. So
0: you're always under. Mm. Y- you feel like you're uh, being. You know, look, they won't. G- you're homeless. They won't give you housing, and you can't be homeless. So mm. it's an impossible All situation. All right. You've got
1: two minutes to go. Tell us what you would do to address this situation
0: well i just take i just uh, put it back into government hands and build more public housing and just keep that um, economy going that's what people want and that's what people need and uh, i just don't think it should be in the private sector because it's just not working and i just think they're not being held to account you can't hold private institutions accountable for the welfare of Human beings—that is a government responsibility. That's why we vote people in to protect us from things like that. So you think this
1: move by the Labor government, Victorian Labor government, to privatise what's left of the public housing sector is wrong?
0: It is totally wrong.
1: It won't solve the problem of homelessness. It's making it worse. Making it worse.
0: Yes, because you've got the Mm. mix—people trying to get in, just leave it in government hands, build or retain the public housing. Let people get on with their lives
1: mm. Well I know people that have been on the waiting list for 25 years Well that's right Especially if you're male
0: Exactly mm. And the males are not getting a good good deal either no. They're taking the worst of the worst housing And in fact a lot of these operators will not take women They won't
1: take women No. No because I have noticed the increasing number of women in this situation. That's right, and well, middle-aged women—not—not not, you know, middle-aged women aged over fifty—the
0: yeah. uh, highest rising um, mm. homeless yeah. sector. because they've there. lost
1: their sexual attractiveness. And uh, well, you know. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean generally. No, yeah, no, yeah, I, as a younger it, woman, no, it comes, no, it's
0: yeah. just uh, you know, yeah. why are women on the street? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's You're a, not supposed to be there, so yeah, exactly. But we are and we're out there in numbers so um and growing. God help Victoria.
1: All right. Well God won't help Victoria. Well, Victorians will help Victoria. Well Victorians. that's correct,
0: that's correct. And we have seen this before. In yeah. the eighteen hundreds it's just the same thing over again. Yeah. You know, so uh we just need to uh get back to uh the grassroots, you know. What we know, what we can do. Just keep public housing in public hands, Mm -hmm. you know, and the rest of it will sort itself out.
1: Well, thank you, Sandy Ryan, for coming in and sharing your life. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dale. Thank you for sharing your life with our listeners and hopefully they'll give them a little bit of insight into this homeless crisis which we, with this engineered, -engineered Mm government-engineered homeless crisis Mm -hmm. which we are now facing. We shouldn't have one homeless person in Victoria. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. Mm -hmm.